Welcome to How We Grow, an essential playbook to grow and scale your vacation rental business with advice and insights from the best in the biz with your host, Linnell Gordon. The reason we started this, when we talked about doing a podcast, I said the one thing I really, really wanted to do was to help people that were either beginning Mm-hmm. or people that were starting maybe linens or, you know, something new in the business. And I thought, I know so many brilliant people in this industry who really could help. I got to tell you, you have an impressive, impressive resume. When you go back and look at what you've done and where, no, really, I personally remember, well, let me say this. Mm-hmm. Just so we can tell everybody out there. Right now, you've got at least two companies, You've got one in the Outer Banks and one in in Sandbridge Blue up in Virginia. Yes. But I remember, Tim, and I remember when you had like 12 rentals. It wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't that long ago. You said to me, Linnell, just help me out now and then I'm going to grow. And I was like, man, if I'm going to bet on anybody, I would bet on Tim Cafferty. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah. Some days I wasn't sure I would bet on myself, but (laughs) it all worked out. (laughs) No, with you, with you, it did. Now you've served as president of VRMA. I mean, you've got a plethora of careers with vacation rentals that began like when you got out of high school. I mean, seriously, I'm looking back at those dates. I'm like, that was high school for me. So I know that was probably high school for you, not too far from that. So tell me a little bit about what you've done. I mean, you've grown, you've stopped, you've built, you've lost, and you've built again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. When you put it that way, I feel old. Oh, no. It's called accomplished, Tim. Let me move that around. It's called accomplished. Oh, good. I like that. Let me write that down. That's good. I'm accomplished. Okay. It actually goes back even further, believe it or not. My dad was one of the original realtors on the Outer Banks. And so he moved our family here in 1964 at a time when it was Memorial Day to Labor Day and the shutters went down the day after Labor Day and we tried to survive the winter and there was no grocery stores locally. My mom's like, what godforsaken place have you taken us to, Tom? And so as early as I remember, like eight years old, carrying linens out to the guests' cars, you know, when they check in so they can go and make the beds when they arrive at the house. Wow. And then my sister and I, when we got to the ripe old age of about 10, he sent us out to clean cottages. <laughs> so I literally started from the ground up and I started this company, Outer Banks Blue Realty Services in 2005. Before that, I was with Resort Quest International. You remember that little foray? I do. I do. Like I said, you were at the top and you started again. Yes. You did all the way from the bottom again. Yeah. I actually worked for our family company. I actually went to college to get away from vacation rentals and real estate. And I have a master's degree in journalism. I was going to be a sports broadcaster. And I actually did that for a time, worked for NBC Sports. I was a national stringer. They would send me to an event and I would go and cover the event. So I went to places like the Masters and the Final Four and wow. things like that and reported from on-site. That's how I learned to be on time, by the way. The, the 525 national sportscast for NBC starts at 525, whether you're in that seat or not. Oh, And there are 300 stations around the country waiting for you to open your mouth and say something, right? And so I'm very punctual that way. And uh, came back into the business, worked with my mom. She said, I need some help. I came home. And the rest is history. And so uh, when I went to Resort Quest, I knew I wanted to start my own thing, put half my paycheck away for five years. And then it came time. 
And sure enough, here I am, 17 years later, and surrounded myself with great people, and they've grown us to really beyond my expectations, I have to say. It is amazing to me. Your customer service is second to none. As I know from experience, <laughs> you know, you took receptionist answering the phones to another level. I mean, a level that most people will never even get to. And you've done that for years. There's this format that I used on the show. I'd like you to tell me a guest story and I'd like you to tell me an owner's story. And I like them funny or inspiring. The ones that are mean, I don't want to know about because I have all those stories. I've lived it. Unless it's really important and you think it pertinent. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, Tell me if you had one piece of advice to give someone starting out. And then I want you to tell me if you were starting again, I hate to say the biggest mistake you've ever made and you wouldn't do it again, but that's not what I mean. I know that we none learn unless we fall. We don't learn how to ride a bike except we fall down. And so what kind of things can you give to people that are starting out, whether it's a new part of their business or it's just starting out in business, some advice there. But I like to start out with stories about the owners or the guest. Okay. Off the cuff, I have a couple and I'm sorry if they're not funny, but. That's okay. We are well known for our customer service. I can't let that slide. No, it's so true. And you have to tell about that because that's, after we talk, you have to tell everyone why they need to finish listening to this because I've never ever seen anything like what you do with your ladies and men that you have in that department. Yeah, we like to say if you can't do phone, you can't work here. Mm, <laughs> so there you go. That's really important to me. I'm well known for my voice message. I'm not sure if you've called it, but anybody you can call my cell phone 252-202-9801 and you'll hear my voicemail talking about giving you personal attention and sorry that I missed your call, et cetera. And you mean it. I do. Absolutely. I usually return to calls by the end of the day, but I just really pride myself on the fact that that is our storefront window. When we answer the phone, it's rarer these days, of course, now with the uh, chats, email, and so on. So when you get a live one, you better make them feel special. And I think my ladies do that. I always like to say she who asks questions controls the call or he. And so we start with a question, you know, Thank you for calling Outer Banks Blue. My name is Tim. May I get your name, please? What are you going to say? No. <laughs> no, you're going to give them your name. Oh, hello, Ms. Gordon. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. And go from there and you keep asking questions before you know it. You've booked a $15,000 rental. You know, they train. When I had a stint where I started a real estate company myself, but I did sales because that's all I wanted to do. And I did that in, uh, in middle of North Carolina. And they teach you that. That is a tactic for finding the big why. Why are people coming on vacation? And to help them make that happen. So yeah, I get you. But it is it is unique. It's very unique. Yep. My daughter is in insurance sales right now. And oh. so she's had a lifetime of immersive learning. And of course, cold calling is what they do when they start that business and she gets turned down, you know, 25 times a day, but she still does it with a smile and she's actually moved up in the company. I'm very proud of her because they said, you know, you're so good on the phone. It's the one. Yes. You live for that one. Yes. I loved cold calling and people couldn't understand why, but you know what? Once you learn that people are nice and it doesn't matter that they may say mean things, they don't always. I heard a good one that my daughter reminded me of recently. She said, dad, no, it's just a request for more information. <laughs> it's like that's I love it. 
She will be successful for so certain. I'm so certain good. she already is. And I know she will be with that yeah, attitude. Exactly. So yeah, my kids grew up in the industry. I started down at eight years old too, hauling linens and cleaning houses or whatever it took back in the day when we had five houses and then 10 and then 25 and so on. So yeah, I'll take this as you offered it. You talked about inspiring stories and funny stories. The first one that comes to mind with the property owner is I was with Resort Quest at our banks. It was. Resort Quest, for those who don't know the history, is sort of like Vacasa in the early days. Back in the 2000 range, a national company came together and bought 45 companies around the country and tried to establish a national brand. And Resort Quest, and they hired me as the general manager here on the Outer Banks, we had 1,147 properties. They bought, I think it was four different companies here on the Outer Banks. And it was like riding a bucking bronco. It was was craziness. Publicly traded company. So all my competitors saw my numbers. They knew exactly what we were doing back in the day where we didn't really share numbers and uh, use that against me as much as they could. But I had a property owner who followed me from that former company over to Outer Banks Blue when I had, you know, 10 properties or whatever. And of course, I'm talking to him and we're getting them all listed and signed up and so on. He goes, you know, you don't even know why I'm with you, do you? I'm like, well, of course, it's amazing service and this, that, and the other. He goes, no. He said, I had a situation about three years ago where I came to my house and a TV was missing and you bought me a new TV and you never asked me a single question. Oh, And I didn't remember it. He said, that told me all I need to know about you and how you do business. And so integrity has always been a huge thing. It's one of our core values here at the company. And so integrity came through and it's something I've never forgotten. And I remind our new employees of that all the time. You do the right thing. We'll be okay. Okay. I just want to repeat that, guys. It's so true. And Tim lives this out. If you do the right thing, you're going to be okay. Always do the right thing. Yeah. And let me tell you, it's tough sometimes when you are debating whether to put payroll on your visa card. (laughs) I've been there. I understand. (laughs) Yes. The late, great Stuart Couch is the first one that told me that. And I didn't understand (laughs) until I had to get to that point. And I was like, okay, do I buy the TV or do I make payroll or what? What do I do here? Because the checking account is, uh, I have checks, but I just don't have any money in the account. So that's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> so, And then on the guest side, I don't know if this is a funny one, but it's the one that comes to mind the latest because Thanksgiving was just recently. And we have, we call it on our podcast, Sarah Bradford and I do a podcast, of course. Amazing podcast. You guys should listen to it. It is full, chock full of information. We just dropped episode number 138. Wow. Six years we've been doing this. Wow. And don't have any sponsors. Like you just doing it for the love of sharing information. But uh, we have the bat phone, which you may be familiar with. Whoever's on call, that emergency phone, right? You need somebody to answer the phone at nine o'clock at night when a pipe burst or somebody's locked out or what have you. And actually, for the first nine years of the company, I kept the phone every night. And then I had my number two person said, well, I'll take the phone. And then he took the phone and of course the phone rang and then he calls me and goes, what do I do? What I do? <laughs> I was going to say, that's what <laughs> this is not the purpose of you having a phone. <laughs> been there and done that. I understand that. <laughs> it's something to the effect of, I think I told him, well, you're there. I'm not. Make the best decision you can and tell me about it tomorrow morning. Exactly. I trust you. <laughs> I gave you the phone. At this particular time, this was Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving day, one of our large properties on the ocean, 10 bedrooms, whole family there, the stove broke. Oh, Thanksgiving. Not the best day to do that. Not going to get an appliance repairman out on Thanksgiving Day to repair the stove, at least not here in Kitty Hawk. 
And so in this particular case, I happen to have the phone <laughs> this particular Thanksgiving. And so the house was about a mile away. And I said, so what do you have going on there? And she said, well, I got my collards going. I've got my turkey I'm ready to put in the oven. I'm like, we'll be right there. And so I loaded up the kids and we went over there in the suburban and we took their food and we brought it back to our house and we cooked them Thanksgiving dinner. And then we brought it back to them already. Oh, that is so sweet. You got to think out of the box sometimes, right? So our dinner was a little late that day, but it was a whole family affair and everybody loved it. How We Grow is proud to partner with Limbrook Group, the experts in vacation payment solutions. When you choose Limbrook, you not only get a payment software that directly integrates into your reservation system, but decades of experience, giving you the best team when it comes to integrated homeowner payments and chargeback mitigation. Connect with them online at limbrookgroup.com to learn more. I was in the North Carolina mountains for Thanksgiving. My family often goes there because we live at the beach. We often go there for Thanksgiving and I was cooking Thanksgiving and the oven went out. They didn't do that. They didn't. <laughs> I'm just saying they didn't do that. I hope to hear the podcast. It would have been yeah. a great thing because I would have rented with them again. Absolutely. Yeah. It's those images. Those things are memorable. And that family I'm sure is going to rent with us for a long time. I'll never forget that Thanksgiving. One of my best friends, he passed away a couple of years ago, which is really sad, but we went to the Outer Banks for Thanksgiving one year, and we rented with you, and it was a wonderful time. Oh, so if you want to come to the Outer Banks Thanksgiving, come see Tim Cafferty <laughs> at Outer Banks Blue or Sandridge Blue. He will make sure your Thanksgiving is perfect. Okay, yeah. so tell me if you had one piece of advice mm -hmm. to give someone who is starting out, because I know you guys do a lot of really cool stuff, either brand new or starting a new technology or a new revenue source. What would you suggest? You know, when you mentioned that this question might come up, it took me about a nanosecond to come up with the answer. And it's not very sexy. It's kind of like the blocking and tackling of vacation rental management to me. And that is have a budget. I remember doing a VRMA conference session a few years ago. And I had about 100 people in the room, round numbers. And I said, okay, show of hands. How many people have a budget? And three hands went up. They were all my employees. And I'm like, no, 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 seriously. How many have a budget? And the lady on the front row, God bless her, says, I had a terrific year this year. How can I possibly predict what I'm going to do next year? I go, wow. So no matter the size, I mean, from the very start, I remember when I started the company, I went to the Chamber of Commerce and they had these retired business people who are available to consult. It's called SCORE. And I sat down with this guy. Dick Graff was his name. I remember Dick very clearly. And I told him I was going to open the company. And what advice can you give me? He says, I can see you feel like you know what you're doing. I'm not going to talk to you again until you come back with a budget and a five-year plan about how you're going to grow your company. I'm like, well, you know, it's me. You know, my business plan is to get out there. No, no, be quiet. Put it on paper and bring it back to me. And it was the best exercise I ever went through. And it really was like a scorecard. And so even if it's a straw man budget, you know, how many properties do you have? How many rentals do you expect to have? What do you expect to make? Commission, ancillary fees, and then what are your expenses going to be? 
Because I heard this saying, I think Brian Buffini, who has an excellent podcast, by the way, says, if you don't have a goal, you can hit it with remarkable accuracy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you have those goals, you also will be amazed about the remarkable accuracy we have on getting to where you want to be. You need to push yourself. Don't make it easy. You need to push. And I've carried that on to my staff as well. We have an infamous index card that I give every new employee on the first day of work. Index card. An index card, just a three by five. And I ask them to write their goals on there. One year, three year, five year, whether they be physical, professional, spiritual, financial, educational, whatever they are, just write down something. Wow. I don't want to see it, but I want you to put it somewhere that you'll look at it every 45 days or so, because you need to develop as a person. And then every year we have our annual reviews and I give them a new card. And I just asked, did you check anything off last year? And they'll be very proudly saying, yes, I lost 15 pounds or yes, I am going to buy a house or whatever the thing is. And it's amazingly motivating, but you can do that with a budget as well. That's your set of goals as a company. So even if you only have a couple of properties, I encourage you to do that. What software do you use to keep that? I'm a QuickBooks person. I love QuickBooks too, quite frankly. I absolutely love QuickBooks. And we've actually morphed that into running our company as an open book management company. So we do put our money where our mouth is there. I remember when you did that. Hmm? I forgot, but I do remember you doing that. Yep. It was most amazing growth for our company when we started putting the numbers up on the board and everybody saw, I don't have a private jet. I don't have a place in Tahiti. <laughs> you know, this is the bottom line of what we make as a company. And this is how we make it. And every week we have these meetings called huddles and we put the numbers right up on the board. This is what housekeeping was supposed to make. This is where they are. And then we incentivize them with a profit share pool. Every employee has a pool of funds that they can earn if we hit our quarterly numbers. And it drove us to the Inc. 5000. We're the 5,000 fastest growing companies in the country. Simply look at your tax returns over three years and what is your percentage growth? And we actually made the Inc. 5000 list for the eighth time this year. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's all back to the employees. They're the ones that got it done. They bought gas at the Crown Station instead of the Texco Station because it's five cents less a gallon. Or wow. they didn't go to Ace Hardware eight times today. They went once this week and they have everything they need on the truck so they don't waste time. It's a whole culture shift for us. And so it all started with the budget though. So wherever you are, I encourage you to do that. That is great. That's a first two. <laughs> that is. I mean, I hear a lot of people and what the advice they give, and that's excellent advice. I was talking with someone today about a different kind of business, and we were sitting down and he was like, yep, we need a five-year plan. Where are you going to be in five years? And I'm like, that's exactly what you need. So I agree. So that's good business advice for anyone out there for any kind of business. Tell me, what are the quick mistakes, the mistakes that come up so often that people make when they start a property management company for vacation rentals? Tell me about that. Yeah, I, I've got another one that came to mind immediately when you mentioned that a few minutes ago. Early on in the process, you are doing anything you can to, first of all, satisfy the owners who have put their confidence in you and then get more owners properly, right? So you can grow your inventory and make more money next year than you made this year and that sort of thing. And it is so easy to fall in the trap of guaranteeing income to your property owners. And I had some owners, I want you to guarantee me that I'll make X amount. And I'm like, you know, I'm pretty competitive. <laughs> I was a collegiate athlete, you know, draw that line and say, I can do it. Well, guarantee me this amount. I could 
I'll do that. I guarantee you I'll make that much money. I, I didn't do it. Did you get to keep what you made above? That was sort of the inference, but no, I think the real estate commission might have had a problem with that, but I didn't make the goal. And so I had to write that check for the difference between what he made and what I guaranteed him. And that's just a slippery slope. I will never do it again. Even in this competitive market now, when everybody's scrambling for property owners and owners negotiate very hard on the commission and what services they'll have and this, that, and the other, but there are no guarantees. That's the bottom line. I can't assure you that things are going to be exactly as you wish because what your expenses are with the property has nothing to do with what it's worth on the rental market, right? No. We all need to know that right now with everybody buying at the top of the market and they say, I have to have this much to cover my mortgage. Well, I'm sorry, renters don't really care about your mortgage. <laughs> they just want to know what the experience is and what the value of that is. And there's no guarantee it's going to match up. Are people still buying at the top of the market in your market? Yeah, it's faded just a little bit, but I have a pretty good and productive sales staff. Pricing hasn't gone down, right? It's not gone down. And the differential between list price and sale price, you know, last year we were seeing 101, 110, 115% of list price. We're still seeing 98, 99, 96%. And these are record high prices. So it's still happening. Yeah, I agree. I see that too. I know that in other markets that there's a lot of bad publicity for the market of buying and selling, but I have not personally seen anything but a little bit of a slowdown. And we're no longer paying $40,000 over on a $300,000 house or something like that. It was crazy, but they increased the prices, right? And it stayed. Well, when you look at it though, compared to other investments, real estate made a lot of sense. It still does. It's a very consistent expense. You know what the mortgage is going to be. It's going to appreciate. I don't think over the course of you know decades, much, if anything, has ever depreciated in real estate, especially in the markets of the people that are listening here. Yes. And then you can also get a return on that investment while you're paying the mortgage. It's a pretty good deal when you look at it from that perspective. I just want to say it still is possible to purchase a house and to make your payments for a vacation rental house. And here's the thing. If there are people out there listening that are interested in doing that, there are formulas. I'm just going to be real honest. There are formulas for things you need to buy if that is your goal. I had someone stop me. This is interesting. I was flying back from somewhere into North Carolina. And this guy in front of me was like really loud. He was in line before we boarded. And he was talking about this new investment. His family's in real estate somewhere in the North or South Carolina market. I can't remember exactly. And he was talking about how much money he was going to make and how much he was going to spend. And I listened to him and I said, so what market are you in? And he told me the exact market. And I said, and how much do you think you're going to make there? And he told me, and I said, you know, I have a little bit of data on that. And you know, I don't think that's the case. I said, is it oceanfront? He's like, oh no, I wouldn't buy oceanfront ever for my investment for rental. I have to be, I think it was fourth row back. And I was like, does it have a pool? He's like, oh no, no, I don't want a pool. And I thought, who's told him this? Yeah. So if you want to do investments, go see Tim Cafferty and ask him, (laughs) help me find a great investment property for you to manage. And I just want to ask you, so if someone bought a vacation rental to bring to you, would you be able to manage everything they need? I'm an owner for real. 
I don't want you to ask me a question. You know, that really cool software we have that does addendums. I'm like, I'm not going to sign that. You fill it out for me and tell me what I need for this year. And I believe you and I will do it. I don't want to do anything. I don't, nothing. I want you to do everything. Do you do that? Well, that's a rich question. I remember years ago, my rental manager, his name's Patrick Parker, and these owners would come online and they'd come in the office and they'd be talking to our business development person and talking about all the aspirations they have on income or whatever. And Patrick would come in and go, hey, let me tell you how it really works. (laughs) (laughs) And so often we have to deliver that bad news. You know, whatever you've been told about that income and whatever, it's not right. And so I think particularly some of your listeners may only have a few properties and are like, gosh, I can't possibly do everything that property owner needs me to do to make that happen, but I don't want to lose the property, so I'll fake it. But it has been a great growth opportunity for us at Blue, where we have expanded our services over time. You mentioned the pool. We had at one time, I think, 63 outside vendors we were dealing with, with cleaning pools and hot tubs and that sort of thing, and faxing them the check-in list every week to make sure they were going to get there. And I'll never forget calling a vendor one time on, it was Thanksgiving week again. Hey, we've got a check-in and, you know, SS123, he goes, dude, I'm in Costa Rica. You're on your own. (laughs) Go turn on the pool heat. What? What? I think it was at that very moment I said, you know what? I'm going to open a pool and spa company. So now we have one of the largest pool and spa companies on the East Coast, cleaning pools and installing hot tubs and that sort of thing. And then we got into carpet cleaning and got into landscaping and power washing and all these ancillary services. Guys, I just want to tell everybody out there, think about, okay, so he's, when he's saying that, you're thinking, what a lot of work. When he says it and I listen to it, let me tell you what I hear. Wow, that's 100% of the revenue, not a percentage of that particular ancillary service that's going directly to the bottom line. That's the secret of how we've grown. And those ideas came from my employees. They came forward and said, you know, we can do this carpet cleaning thing. I saw we can get a carpet cleaning van for, you know, 30 some thousand dollars. And, you know, Joe is pretty good at stuff like that. And he can do that. And so sure enough, Joe has made me something like $78,000 on cleaning carpets this year. So when you are able to control those ancillary services that have to be provided to the property, regardless, you have to do that. Pet cleans, you got to do it. You have no choice. So when you're in control of that revenue, it makes it a lot easier not to have to worry about that commission that you gave a percentage off so you could get that homeowner, right? Right, exactly. Get them on the back end. But then the other part of it you've alluded to, but just to drive the nail in the coffin here, is I'm in control of that staff person as opposed to XYZ carpet cleaning. Joe, I need you over there right now. There's a water leak and the carpet is wet. And he's there in 20 minutes as opposed to the busy signal at the carpet cleaning place because they're closed for the holiday or what have you. So talk about wowing your owner. Hey, Mr. Owner, we had a broken pipe, but... We've taken care of it. There's no damage and your guests are fine. So no interruption of your rental income. Would you be willing to talk to property managers that are starting out that might have questions, Tim? Oh, absolutely. I do it almost all the time. My staff accuses me of doing that more than running my own company sometimes. (laughs) So you gave your telephone number so they can listen to that. So if you're interested, go back and listen to the earlier podcast. But I also want to say something else, guys. One of the strengths that I know that Tim has that he's not even talking about is, buddy, let me tell you, if you've ever been to an incredibly beautiful building, 
your office is extraordinary and you killed it getting it. You should tell that story because that is remarkable. Yeah. It almost killed me though, Linnell, back in the day. <laughs> it took you. a little while. Yes. So we started, you know, 17 years ago in that 400 foot closet of a duck where I we remember. were all were in one room and we didn't have, you know, recorded phone calls. We didn't have to because I was sitting beside him. I just spin around in place and go, you know, next time maybe do this or whatever. But now <laughs> then we moved to another place and we knew we were growing exponentially. And our goal, by the way, was always 300 properties. That was it. I didn't ever want to have 1,147 properties. I don't blame you. Yeah. I had 500 employees when I had those 1,147 mm. properties. I knew about a hundred of them. Mm. The others, I'd see somebody and I'd ask my assistant, is that an owner or a guest or a, is that one of our employees? No, <laughs> no that's, that's Billy in accounting. Okay. <laughs> Got it. I knew I'd seen him before. I just didn't know where. And so we looked around and at that time there was not as many listings on the market as there was maybe two years ago. And so I came across this building and it was a bank. It was a bank of the Commonwealth and they built this huge building, 16,500 square foot building over the top. And unfortunately found out they did it by absconding funds. The office I'm in right now, the guy who used to be here is serving a life sentence (laughs) in prison for absconding with about $275 million. So needless to say, the FDIC took over the building and the bank. And so I bought this from the FDIC after about a nine month negotiation. And we still have the vault. I wondered about that. I was not going to ask. I can't get it out. I don't know how to get it out of the building. It's uh, got two feet of concrete all around it. Is it open? Can you open and close it? We do. We keep the chemicals in there for the uh, cleaners. Okay. (laughs) The really important stuff you need to lock up, right? The chemicals and the vacuums, because that's the stuff that walks off the property. But uh, yeah, we renovated this and it is a show place. And I don't have a problem with people liking to come to work. It's very airy. Everybody sees each other. I can have everyone in one building. And you have really cool flip-flops on the wall. I'm just, the flip-flops. You do. If anybody's been to the uh, Verbo or HomeAway headquarters in Austin, Texas, they're really big on shot glasses. They collect shot glasses That's and right. the birdhouses yes. and things like that. And I saw that. I'm like, Gosh, we need to have something. <laughs> and so it was flip-flops. So when someone comes on board and they're here for 90 days, I tell them I need a pair of flip-flops from you that will show your character. And so when you walk up the stairwell, it shows the name of the person and the month and year that they started with the company. And it was a pair of flip-flops hanging on the wall to show their personality. All the way down three flights, you see everybody's flip-flops. And there's some people who are pretty darn creative with their flip-flops. I have to tell you, I thought it was amazing. I think that you were very kind to me. And I think I gave you my oldest pair of rainbow flip-flops that I owned. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank you so much, really, for a couple of things, not just for coming on, on the show here, but for your incredible activism in the industry as a leader. Honestly, Tim, you are one of a kind, as you know, but you are kind. You are straightforward. And I am very grateful for you coming on. And I'm grateful for you being my friend. I think you're wonderful. I really do. Well, back at you, Linnell. I uh, value your friendship as well. I will just say my wife wouldn't necessarily agree with everything you said there. I I like to tell people, you know, we talk about the index card and everything like that. Well, she put a sticky note, you know, one of those little post-it note things up on the mirror of my bathroom. So every morning I look up at it and it says, you are looking at the problem. (laughs) 
I think of that every day and try to maintain. uh, I'm going to send you Taylor Swift's song, (laughs) the recent song about that. And you'll have to listen to the lyrics. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) Well, good luck with the podcast. I know you do well and you're doing a great service to the folks that are listening. And I hope they take heed of what you have to say because you know a lot. Thank you. I hope it can help. God bless. Thanks again, Tim. This episode of How We Grow was brought to you by Limbrook Group. To find out more about how Limbrook Group can help to grow your vacation rental business, visit limbrookgroup.com. Make sure to search for How We Grow in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. On behalf of the team here at Inhabit, thanks for listening.